When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. As always, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game, that's Mark Franny. I'm Evan Giddings coming to you on the Odyssey app as well as wherever you download your podcast from. Please download, rate, subscribe. Five stars are appreciated. We're going to get into some more overall roster conversation, Mark, as well as what direction we expect this season to trend for the 49ers and where some of the pundits are weighing in on where they see the 49ers are at this point in the offseason. Also, kind of an interesting conversation we're going to talk about as it pertains to the the running back room. Pardon me. Just mm. quarterback room slips off the tongue when it comes to the 49ers nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but before we go into all of that, Mark, my man, how are you? I'm doing well uh, and good weekend. Uh, a lot of fun. Got to watch a, a great, a great game, two of the NBA finals the other night as well as we're recording this on uh, Monday evening. Uh, it was a great game, two on Sunday evening. And Evan, my Miami Heat futures bet is still looking all right. We got a chance to cash out. It's going to be a big one. Yeah, I may or may not have lost a beer on that game for, for those that are kind of wondering about any sort of friendly wagers that we might have. Uh, put a put a cold one on that. That's an L, and uh, it might be a Coors Light in honor of the Rockies. So sorry about that. You better you, you better pay up. Hey, come on. Oh, I got a dollar fifty in the in the back pocket. Don't worry. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but but speaking of the the one in five mark, uh, it's interesting mm. because according to ESPN's Mike Clay, this is where we want to start the episode today. The 49ers not only do not have one of the best rosters in the NFC, but they don't even have the best roster in their own division. And this was, was kind of a uh, statistical, you know, spreadsheet put together based on, of course, every single position weighed on a zero to four value. It's pushed against all, of course, the rest of the league. And uh, before we actually dig into to the numbers and um, I don't know that, you know, the five thirty eight conclusion that that Mike Clay and ESPN have come to about this. What was your reaction when you just saw the headline that the 49ers actually don't have the best roster in their own division? It's the Seahawks. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of a mess. Mike Clay is is mostly for ESPN, a, a, a fantasy guy. He does a lot of fantasy stuff. I know this isn't strictly a, a fantasy thing, but I don't think it really takes into account uh, just how incredibly talented this 49ers roster is. You, you're right. It, it ranks them one to four, including, you know, decimal points uh, up to a tenth. So you like 2.1 or 2.2, for example, and so on and so forth. Uh, the 49ers have the best running back room, according to Mike Clay, earning them a 4.0, I guess, if you want to think of it that way. They have an incredible linebacker unit, which is up there as well. Uh, the defensive 
on the interior, believe it or not, is ranked higher than the defense on the edge, despite the fact that Nick Bosa uh, is on the edge. But just in general, looking at this ranking, Evan, where he has the 49ers as the 15th best roster that includes every position group, offense and defense combined, 15th best. It's kind of wild to me. It, it, it does not make any sense. Now, I get that this is a, a team that's going to be lapped by competitors when it comes to the quarterback room. Um, you could make the case going into this even before looking at the numbers that Niners would probably also lag behind on the offensive line and in the defensive secondary because that's generally where their weaknesses are. And that's where Mike Clay has found their weaknesses to be. Uh, but you're right. The fact that this, uh, according to this ranking by this prognosticator, Mike Clay of ESPN, the fact that the 49ers not only uh, aren't atop or near the top of the NFC, aren't atop their own division, and the fact that he, they have them as a middle-of-the-pack team in terms of a talented roster in the entire NFL, that's just absolutely ridiculous to me. You can make the case the Niners are top-heavy, Evan, um, but you have to take into account that the guys they have on top uh, are extremely good and extremely valuable and in very key positions. So the, I don't buy it. The, the 49ers have one of the most talented rosters in the entire NFL. Having them at 15th is disingenuous. Well, let's be honest, Mark. What really pisses you off about this list is not the fact that the Seahawks are one position higher than the 49ers. But the Minnesota Vikings are also <laughs> higher than the 49ers, and they are four slots ahead on Mike Clay's list. Um, you're right. That is disgusting. And I am, <laughs> I am, uh, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to recover from this. Mike Clay's reputation in my mind gone down Tarnished. the drain. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Flush it like the 49ers uh, <laughs> position groups, apparently. No, so the, at least the breakdown, the biggest gaps in Mike Clay's smorgasbord of of positional rankings would be at quarterback which is understandable although i think their quarterback room for the seahawks is a 1.8 compared to a 49ers 1.1 i personally feel like that gap would be a little bit bigger considering how maybe more proven and top heavy theirs is um cornerback 1.1 for the 49ers to 2.1 for the seahawks that's also debatable. Uh, and then safety, 2.8 to 3.5. And, of course, that's mostly based off of the return of Jamal Adams, who is one of the league's best safeties. But the the biggest thing I, I have an, an issue with when it comes to the QBs is there's some, like, I don't know if it's just, like, poor description of is it based off of how top-heavy you are or how much depth you have, because I think the 49ers as a roster are much more top heavy than perhaps they've been in previous years. But the one area where they do have depth is at quarterback. And the 49ers, I think, are being rewarded for their depth at the running back position on Clay's rankings, but not the top heaviness of some other spot. So I'm not exactly sure what he's feeling out from that perspective. How I would look at this is at the QB spot, this is based purely off of data. And there is just simply not a lot of data between Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, and Sam Darnold. Darnold would have the most, but it's not all that impressive. Even if Brock Purdy, the eye test, would tell you that he's a comparable quarterback to, I would say, the majority of the NFC signal callers. But the QB room's rankings are compared to Pittsburgh, week one opponent. That's 1.3. Carolina received a 1.0. Houston received an 0.9. 
I don't know about you, Mark, but to me, Brock Purdy or Trey Lance or Sam Darnold, due to the surrounding cast that they have, would automatically be excluded from the conversation of those three teams. Pittsburgh is probably the closest, but the other two are rebuilding, and it's just based off of also not a lot of data because you got two new guys coming in at each spot. So for me, I, I just it's confusing to me, and the quarterback room is where I would disagree the most. Uh, but if you're telling me that it's based off of purely numbers, I would then throw back at you, well, the rest of those teams that I just compared the 49ers to also don't have a lot of data. Yeah, and and as a result of that lack of data, uh, I, the the Seahawks don't really fall into that for me because Geno Smith is an older guy who's been in the league and he had a pretty good year last year. I would be shocked if he came out and was better than that. Not saying that I don't think he he can do what he did last year and, and repeat that. But you know, if you were to follow like this projection, which he has a, a one point eight for Geno Smith in the Seattle Seahawks quarterback room. Um, you know, generally that's about middle of the pack. Uh, you know, again, he ranks him from 0.1 all the way up to 4.0. So 1.8 is just a little bit on the bottom half. Um, that feels like a number to me, Evan, and, and we can move away from the numbers because they are a little bit confusing. But the the Seahawks quarterback room in general feels to me like you can't have, unless something wild happens, you can't really have and you can't really have someone over exceed expectations. You can't, it, it seems unlikely that you're going to get that. I, I guess a better way to put it is there's less volatility there in that Seahawks quarterback room. You kind of feel like you have an idea of what you're going to get. Now on the 49ers, there's more volatility in that quarterback ranking projection number, whatever you want to call it. And I think a lot of that volatility, there's certainly a bottom out to it if there are injuries, and certainly everyone on the roster hasn't proven that they can stay healthy at that position. But if you had to pick maybe one spot, aside from the, the rookies coming into the league now, maybe Bryce Young just has a fantastic rookie year, and you look back at these projections and you think, all right, well, that was silly. Um, but the 49ers, I think, have the most room, at least among contenders in the NFL, the most room to exceed expectations at the quarterback position, at least considering where Mike Clay is ranking this quarterback room. Again, in the bottom, like the bottom third of the entire league, a bad quarterback room by whatever metric he's going for here. Um, and considering the fact that at the most important position, they got a relatively bad grade. They're still around middle of the pack in the NFL. Speaks to how good the rest of the roster is, Evan. And if we're trying to find the positive in this, you know, one reporter's, you know, ESPN employee's eyes, I think it's that the 49ers have room to grow in the quarterback position more so than a lot of the teams that, that they're chasing in this ranking that are above them. Actually, I think I want to table that uh, because I think that we can spend a lot of time on it, which, of course, we don't have uh, today just based on the topics we have. But I, I actually kind of disagree a little bit about the mm. room for improvement from the 49ers quarterback position, uh, well, specifically as it pertains to Brock Purdy. I don't want to get into it too much, but I, I think it also comes from where like the ranking is in the first place. Like, for example, with what Mike Clay is saying, he has the 49ers quarterback room at a 1.1, which is like bottom 10, 11 in the entire NFL. 
I wouldn't put the 49ers quarterback room that low. So if if I were ranking them higher, there wouldn't be, of course, as much room to grow. But considering where this ranking is, I think there, there is room to grow from this spot. But maybe not if you have them previously ranked higher to begin with. I also think the position is ranked like independent of the others. So, I mean, it, it's kind of, it's tough because all of them are, are connected, especially offensively. But I do think that if you just take a look at the quarterbacks for the 49ers, independent of who plays around them, they actually might be a bottom 10 group just from what we've seen from each of them. I, I I'm not sure, but I will say that the one group or, uh, position the one position group that I feel like was ranked the most accurately was the offensive line. And mm. I know the number is going to seem extremely low at, at 0.9 out of four, but it was ranked the sixth worst in the NFL. And we talked about it in our last episode, Mark. I, I do not have a whole hell of a lot of confidence in this offensive line just because if you take a look at where they were ranked entering last season, they're about middle of the pack. I think PFF had them at 14th. Um, they probably outperformed expectations just based off of having Aaron Banks, who was a second-year player but didn't play much his first season. Spencer Burford was a rookie. Uh, and then you end up losing Mike McGlinchey. So maybe you could say that there's room for growth in that department just because outside of Trent Williams, there's not really – a, a solidified commodity there. But I also have to imagine that Trent Williams entering his late thirties is also going to regress a little bit. Now that doesn't mean that regressing from the best tackle in football is going to cost you a whole lot, but if he is not as good as he's been in previous years, then the rest of the offensive line also has to step up. And I just don't know. That is where the majority of my questions on both sides of the football lie, because I think with what the 49ers have at quarterback, how they could not protect them last year, as well as how dependent their offense is on the run and the guys in the backfield. I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on the O-line if this team sputters at the beginning of the season. And it's something that we haven't really talked about a whole lot. So if there's one area where I would agree with Mike Clay about the deficiencies of this 49ers team, it would be on the O-line. I I get it as well. I, I just think with these kinds of of rankings it's so difficult now if you add everything up again take the offense and the defense together Mike Clay has the 49ers as the the 15th most talented best team whatever you want to however you want to describe it he has them as the fourth best defense and the 21st best offense I just don't see how it's possible you watch what the 49ers did last year with Brock Purdy as their quarterback they're putting up 30 points in their sleep week in and week out. And you have them as the 21st best offense. You have them as the best running back room, which makes sense. You have one of, if not the best running back and the most dynamic running back in the league. You have a, a, a top five tight end group, mostly because of George Kittle. Yes. And you certainly have an above average wide receiver room. The reason why it falls down so much in Mike Clay's rankings is, yes, because of the quarterback and the offensive line. Uh, but just looking at what this 49er offense did last year, I don't see how it's possible. You could possibly rank the 49ers offense as the 21st best group in the entire National Football League. That, to me, is just wild. And I get I get the, the concerns about the offensive line. Uh, Trent Williams 
could still be the the best offensive line and maybe the best player in football like he has been for a number of the last few years. But you're right. He's also getting up there. And I wouldn't be shocked if if he starts to decline just a little bit because he's getting to that age. But still, I think the talent the 49ers have elsewhere on offense is enough to at least be in the top half of entire offenses across the league. I don't know this. This ranking, to me, I, I, I think it's a good conversation. It's fun to talk about, but I don't know. It seems pretty ridiculous to me. If you just look at what this 49er offense did for a 10, 11, 12-week span, including the playoffs, when Brock Purdy was their quarterback, I don't see how it's possible you can't have them in the top half, let alone 21st overall in the entire league. Yeah, I, I mean, and maybe it's, again, all independent data, but when you throw Kyle Shanahan into the mix, I don't I don't see a Kyle Shanahan orchestrated offense as ever being anything in the bottom half of anything. Like no matter what sort of metric stat you use, uh, if you got Kyle Shanahan calling plays and dialing things up, you're probably going to be an efficient offense. Now, not to say that you couldn't be better. And I think Kyle Shanahan has had the benefit of an accurately ranked top five defense, probably top three defense in the NFL. But I also think you got to give that some weight as well. And I don't see the offensive line as well as the quarterbacks being that big of a weight or an anchor to drop down uh, the rest of their position players. But we'll certainly keep an eye on that, of course, moving forward. This is the four on fivers uh, podcast as always on the Odyssey sports podcast network with 95, seven, the game coming at you twice a week here in the off season. 49ers, um, you know, kind of kind of moving around their their summer schedule. Mark mandatory minicamp closing fast, and uh, a couple practices the next few days. So we'll have that to react to on Thursday. I look forward to that as well. Uh, Mark, Randy, Evan, Giddings with you as always. Download the Odyssey app. Download the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. But uh, the next part about this, Mark, is you know, kind of along the lines of where the 49ers roster is, where their direction is and what is expected of them this season. Uh, Albert Breer, who writes a column every week for the Monday Morning Quarterback, kind of identified the 49ers as being a 2023 all-in team. Like, they got to go all-in on this year. And we've discussed reasons why we feel like that is, in some ways, accurate. Uh, But should they be? I mean, should this be an all-in year? And I guess it depends on your definition. But to me, the definition would be, you know, the 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 Rams approach of throwing picks sure. to the wind and trying to go out and get a couple of big boys, whether it be before the season, middle of the season, to maximize this window and saying whatever happens down the line is okay because even if it doesn't go great, we're going to try and go for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think you're right. It depends on your definition of all in. Uh, when we've been talking about the, the Christian McCaffrey trade and I guess even trading up to get Trey Lance, I think I've thrown out multiple times, you know, the four janitors are showing that they are all in to try to win. Now. I don't think that necessarily means just for this one season. I think it means in the next three years. So if they were going all in to win the super bowl, the 2024 super bowl, the one coming up uh, in what, like eight months, if they were going all in to do that, then they should be trading their draft picks for next year's NFL draft to get more talent on this roster. That would be going all in for this coming season. It would be not 
signing Nick Boca, Nick Bosa to an extension right now because you're not worried about anything beyond this year. That that would not be how this works. Um, but the 49ers are planning for more than just this one year, Evan. So if I were to adapt the definition of all-in or just say it's for a window of the next three years, yes, I think absolutely the 49ers should be all-in to try to give make sure they give themselves the best chance possible to win at least one Super Bowl over the next three years. But they should not be punting on the opportunity to improve their roster through the draft or by other means for next year or even the year beyond next year just to try to win it this year, if that makes sense. I'm looking at a three-year window, a three-year experience here where the 49ers need to do what's in their power to make that possible but you don't want to hurt yourself for next year by trying to do it all this year. The Niners are not in the position the Rams were in when they got that Super Bowl. They didn't have all these aging veteran stars. The the Rams had those. The 49ers have some of them, but for the most part, they still have young, controllable talents who are likely going to be productive at the NFL level for years to come. You do not want to mess with that, and if you miss your one shot this year, then you're done. You're trying to maximize a three-year window. And in my mind, the 49ers should be all in for that window, not just for this one coming year. But I guess then I would say the three-year window, like, yes, that that is ideal to have a three-year period where you can compete for Super Bowls. And they've kind of done that. I mean, from Mm -hmm. 2019 making the Super Bowl, 2020 marred by injuries, 2021, you make the NFC Championship. Last year, of course, the same result. So within a four-year period, you have you have been able to be, quote-unquote, all-in over multiple seasons. I do wonder where that train stops. And I, I don't, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think that the 49ers should be all-in this season. But I do kind of, I, I do wonder where Kyle Shanahan sees himself. Because right now, Mark, if, if that three-year window is accurate, and I do think the 49ers want to plan for the future and not just say, hey, we throw all, throw all of our picks to the wind, even though they have more replenished this year, their first and seconds return uh, this upcoming draft. I, you know, Kyle Shanahan in three years is going to be looking at 10 years in San Francisco. And that's a long time potentially to be without a Super Bowl and still in this day and age be a head coach, even though he's had the success that he has. So, you know, that that window to me is ideally three seasons, but I think that could change very quickly. Yeah, no, it can. I mean, who knows what the next three years are going to hold. There was a, a thought, actually, when I was listening to the show you work on, Signe and Guru, earlier today uh, on 95.7 The Game, uh, the guys were talking about, and it was mostly Steiny's point, about how Kyle Shanahan uh, and his quarterbacks generally are just good enough to lose you the big game. They're good enough to get you there, but lose that game. And in my mind... My, my thought went to, well, Kyle Shanahan is doing just enough as a head coach to where he won't be fired, but he still hasn't won a Super Bowl. And you kind of feel like at least that's going to happen where he's going to have enough regular season success. He's going to win a handful of division titles. He's already won a couple. You feel like he's in line to win another one this coming year if things do break the right way. You feel like he should be able to get at least, you know, a, a third seed in the NFC and host a playoff game and win a playoff game again. And, and perhaps he goes to another NFC championship game like he's doing enough to 
keep his job safe. But you're right, he hasn't been able to win that big one yet. I also think it would be a little bit of a different scenario, Evan, say if the 49ers had a legitimate star at quarterback. And of course, that changes your entire roster construction because invariably so much of your money is going to be tied up at that one position. You're going to have to make cuts and tough decisions elsewhere. But generally, you see teams like the Rams go all in if they have a star at quarterback who is getting older and is maybe on the tail end of his career. I know Stafford, maybe you wouldn't call him a superstar, uh, but a really good quarterback. And he was no doubt a big reason why the Rams won the Super Bowl. I mean, they were bad without him. They acquired him and then they won the Super Bowl. Um, the 49ers aren't really in that position where they feel the pressure where they are. Our quarterback, he's getting up there. If we want to try to win it with him and he gives us the best chance because our backup is John Wolford or whoever the Rams other quarterback was. Of course, he replaced Jared Goff. Um, but the 49ers aren't in that position. They have some time with their quarterback room, despite the fact that it's filled with question marks. They have time there, so they don't feel that pressure to risk future opportunities uh, to make things work just this one coming year. Uh, so I don't know exactly what their mindset is. Of course, they're not trying to empty the cabinet, and when 2027 comes around, they're going to be at a loss. But I do feel like there is a sense inside the organization we better get one in the next few years because if we don't, Trent Williams is going to move on. Who knows what Debo Samuel is going to be? Who knows uh, if George Kittle will still be a 49er? Uh, you never know what the future holds. So I do think there is some pressure on Kyle Shanahan. Maybe he's feeling it from a contract point, from a you know just a selfish point of view. He's got to get one in the next few years because if not, you start getting to that point, as you're mentioning, where it's, all right, how much longer is it going to take? We just missed our best chance, potentially. And then what does the franchise do from there? Well, and that's why if you're talking about the mindset of the 49ers, how I've always looked at the combination of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch since we've had the chance to, to cover them more intimately is an educated, aggressive mindset. Uh, you know, if you want to call it, um, I mean, just slightly aggressive, like like they, they pick their spots. So that educated aggression to me manifests itself in an opportunity like last year. Christian McCaffrey, you would say you're throwing a bunch of picks at Carolina and that's going all in. Well, contextually, you knew you had multiple picks coming back to you because of D'Amico Ryan's probably getting a head coaching job of... Rand Carthan probably getting a front office position. Of course, other minority uh, minority front office members and coaching staff members replenishing some picks. So in reality, you're giving up a second round pick for Christian McCaffrey, not everything after. Trey Lance is an educated, aggressive move because at the time, you were trying to figure out how you could, of course, upgrade the quarterback position without needing one potentially immediately. And that's where you feel like you can go all in for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in 2017. That's an opportunity to get with a second round pick, a quarterback and not have to worry about the free agency class upcoming, which is outside of Kirk cousins, drew Brees, who wasn't going anywhere. 
Case Keenum, and Teddy Bridgewater. So you're really out of quarterback options if you want to try and get one in the market. That's where they get aggressive, educatedly, for Jimmy Garoppolo. Trent Williams, third round and a fifth round pick in 2020. That might, at the time, look like a big number for an offensive lineman in his 30s. But if you're getting the best guy in the game, that's a great that's a great buy. And then you look at some of the, the trades where they maybe weren't as rewarded for their aggression. Emmanuel Sanders, a third and a fourth. Of course, it was fine, but didn't, of course, get you a, a Super Bowl title. D. Ford, that one did not work out for the 49ers, in which they sent a second-round pick to Kansas City. But each of those last two were, again, aggressive for the time, not just going all in. And we even saw it. We even saw it in this year's draft. I mean, they traded up to get Jair Brown. They traded to get Jake Moody. Um, they they use their picks selectively and in an educated fashion to go out and f- identify players that, like you're talking about, cannot just help you now, but also help you in the near future if you're looking to extend your Super Bowl window. So, if Albert Brewer is saying the 49ers should be all in for this season. I do believe that there is a lot of expectation for this year. There's a lot of pressure for this year, but I don't think there's pressure enough for the 49ers to say in a Rams-like fashion, F those picks. We're going to throw the first from this year, next year, the year after that, to go out and try and get a big boy, even if there is one out there, which I don't believe there is right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think you're right. The way that the 49ers are approaching this, it's calculated risks where you you are picking and choosing you're you're finding the spots where you feel like you can gain an advantage the McCaffrey one is the one that stands out to me it wasn't a gigantic pick haul really and the 49ers are perfectly fine with that the contract worked out to the 49ers favor especially last year it is a little bit more this year but it's nothing that they can't handle that is good calculated aggression but they're not going to go uh, crazy with, you know, again, emptying the cupboard, emptying the cabinet and trying to get the best possible team they could, because they, there are moves out there, Evan, this team could be better if they were willing to give up opportunities for future seasons, flexibility for future seasons. You could go out and improve this team. You could trade picks next year. You could trade, Trey Lance, if you really wanted to, I don't know what that would get you, but there are moves that this team could make to try to get better for this season. They could be flexible and and be uh, creative with you know the salary cap and moving money around and and paying certain players more next year and future years. Just push the problem down the road. Let's try to win it all right now. So I don't know if that's what Albert Breer was suggesting the 49ers should do or if he just is simply defining all in in a different way. But the 49ers are not all in in that sense, nor should they be. Because, again, they have a chance to win for multiple seasons. They could, hell, if things break right, they could win multiple Super Bowls. I know that's getting way ahead of ourselves, but they have built a franchise and a roster full of talent that can support not just one shot in the dark Super Bowl. This could be something that gets them multiple championships. Again, things have to go well, extremely well for that to even happen, even for them to get one. But their goals, I think, are more than just, we're running out of time here. We got one final shot. Let's take it. They have a few more chances left, and they're going to maximize those few chances as opposed to just one. 
Yeah, I think they're trying to be sustainable uh, instead of and, and give yourself multiple cracks at it because you never know. Yeah. It could be a massive amount of injuries that hit the 49ers this year. And so if you go all in on this season, that could be derailed. But if you open up your window like we're talking about and try and create, I think, as they've done during the Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch era, smart contracts, smart trades, smart draft picks, uh, you widen your window for contention. And then, let's be honest, you try and fall into something, and ideally you make your run to to a, a hopeful Super Bowl. The other thing is it's also something where you can – uh, go into a season not sure exactly what you're going to do. And then when the trade deadline comes, things change. You have new information. You decide at that point, okay, you know what? We're a move away. We can win it this year. We're one move away. We'll trade our first round pick next season and we'll do, we'll, we'll try to go quote unquote all in. It's not a decision you need to make now. It's also, also something that can be decided once you have a little bit more information when you're eight. 10 weeks into the season, and then you can re-decide, is this worth this? Are we giving up future possibilities to try to win this year, or is this worth it to try to get one right now? Four on Fivers podcast, as always, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. That's Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. Please download the Odyssey app, rate, subscribe to us. Five stars are much appreciated. The last part of this episode, Mark, we want to talk about uh, the guy that they went, quote-unquote, all-in for last year, which was uh, Christian McCaffrey and his impact on the running back room. And this was something that you brought to the table, so I want to hand this to you as far as what the 49ers are feeling about McCaffrey and sort of the way that his presence and his play style has permeated throughout the rest of the running backs and the way that the 49ers may want to use all of their running backs. Yeah, this was uh, brought to my attention by Matt Barros and David Lombardi of The Athletic. They were catching up last week down in Santa Clara with a number of 49ers assistant coaches. Uh, and one of the the conversations was about the 49ers running back room. Uh, and what really caught my eye was the 49ers. And, and it makes it makes a ton of sense. The 49ers, of course, with Christian McCaffrey, have developed an offense that not only features a versatile running back, but now requires a versatile running back. So the 49ers, of course, with Christian McCaffrey, they use him almost like a wide receiver at times, even when he lines up in the backfield as a running back. Now, he can still take it between the tackles and get you a lot of yards. Everyone knows how good Christian McCaffrey is. And the 49ers have molded their offense around that style of running back. And you can understand why he deserves to be a focal point of your offensive attack. But he's not going to be able to play every snap. So what does that mean when your backup running backs are in there? When Elijah Mitchell takes some snaps, when Jordan Mason takes some snaps, or when Tyrion Davis-Price comes in, who knows uh, how the snaps are going to be divvied up behind Christian McCaffrey. Um, but guess what? Those three guys aren't really known to be pass catchers for the most part. I mean, Elijah Mitchell, you think back to 2021 when he was this team's lead running back for most of the season, only 19 catches for 137 yards. Again, that's not, it's not so little that you're worried that he can never do it, but it's, it's not a gigantic amount. Jordan Mason, when he was uh, at Georgia Tech in his last year, only caught 10 passes uh, at the collegiate level. Tyrion Davis-Price, when he was at LSU, uh, his last year there in college, he only caught 10 passes as well. So 
this is a situation where the 49ers, when they bring in other running backs other than Christian McCaffrey, they don't want to have to change their offensive attack. They don't want to have to flip to an entirely different section of their playbook just so they feel comfortable running whatever plays their running back can run. They want all of their running backs course you want them all to be Christian McCaffrey that would be the dream but you want them all to be versatile enough to be able to run the plays that the 49ers are running with Christian McCaffrey in there so what does that mean that's the focus for this group in the offseason in OTAs in minicamp in training camp that's what this group is going to be focusing on and it got me thinking Evan that is how the 49ers are going to potentially rework their running back room if for whatever reason these guys aren't able to do it just some guys simply aren't going to be able to to be versatile running backs where you can also catch passes out of the backfield and it's something that I'll be keeping an eye on in the future for this team because they've been introduced to a weapon in Christian McCaffrey that they haven't had at the running back position I know Debo Samuel does things similarly but not like Christian McCaffrey and you can't just go out there and create another Christian McCaffrey of course not he's an incredible talent and naturally gifted and has worked so hard at it. But the 49ers, it feels like now have a new lane they're trying to aim for in their running back room. We will see if any of their three backups behind Christian McCaffrey can gain that new lane and and become more versatile in their offensive ways. Uh, But who knows? It, It might shape how the 49ers go about filling out their roster in future years because they now they now know what it's like to have with Christian McCaffrey and they don't want to be a have not again. I think it also signals an overall general not not an offensive switch, but but one thing that to me uh was a big reason for the Christian McCaffrey trade was trying to put together an like a I don't know, just like an offensive group that can beat you from within five yards in. Like, you know that your quarterbacks generally, Jimmy Garoppolo included from last year, do not have the best arms. Now, I know a lot's been made of Brock Purdy moving the ball down the field, and he actually did more than people think. But the eye test would tell you that guy does not have a howitzer sitting on his right shoulder pre-arm injury. So, even Trey Lance, to some extent, he's got a better arm but I think Kyle Shanahan's focus is always on the plays that are gimmies, the plays that can move the ball down the field, time of possession, keep the clock moving, keep your defense off the field, put pressure on the opposing defense, all that good stuff. So Christian McCaffrey is someone that can beat you from behind the line of scrimmage, can beat you from within five yards, can beat you from within 15. And Debo Samuel does something similar. Uh, they don't really have at this point a real big deep threat. It's more kind of the intermediary and short, sort of passes that the quarterbacks for the 49ers have been able to find and then yards after catch and that sort of philosophy plays in as well. So to me, what it signals is they would like, in addition to their wide receivers and tight ends, also their running backs to be able to beat you through the air five yards away from the line of scrimmage because that's what McCaffrey does arguably better than any other running back in the game through the year. He can take a five-yard pass and take it to the house. Not that like you're saying that Jordan Mason or Elijah Mitchell or Ty Davis Price can also be that guy. But if you have another guy that can come in off the bench, then 
it doesn't mean that the defense can say, all right, this guy is in because he's the big back. He's the power back. And he's going to rush this ball up the middle. Uh, Elijah Mitchell is going to put the ball on the ground and he likes to favor the right side or the left. It makes you less predictable if your running backs can at least incorporate a little bit, just a smidgen of what number 23 can do. It You talking about that kind of got my mind racing. It almost reminds me of where the NBA has gone now. And for those in the Bay Area, probably also Golden State Warrior fans, they kind of helped begin this where you put out just a bunch of switchable wings and guards. And on, on defense, of course, you can just switch everything and it helps out your defense on offense. You have mismatches all over the court because you just have a bunch of long, quick six foot eight guys on the on the court. And it's what, you know, Kevin Durant and Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston and even Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry, of course, is shorter. But that's what the, the, the Warriors kind of began. And it's what has taken over the NBA, having that switchable defense and the, the incredibly difficult to guard offense because you just have a bunch of guys with similar body types and you're going to have a mismatch somewhere it seems like the 49ers are going down a road where they are actively seeking out this kind of versatility on offense where all of their weapons can do a little bit of everything and and they've had this for a while they just haven't had you know kind of the 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 king of it all in Christian McCaffrey. And now you add that, you pair it with Debo Samuel, who's the most versatile wide receiver in the game. George Kittle takes some handoffs out of the backfield. He also, of course, can can take a, a quick screen. He's out in the flat and, and can take that for a, a score. Kyle Juszczyk is the Swiss Army knife of all Swiss Army knives in the NFL. Brandon Ayuk, not so much, but you have kind of that core four of versatility. And... It, it, it makes it difficult on defenses because they have to prepare for so many more possibilities against the 49ers because not only do you have to worry about McCaffrey out of the backfield as a running back, you have to worry about him breaking out into a pattern and being a wide receiver for a play. Same thing for Debo Samuel, and on a you know smaller scale, same thing for George Kittle. So it feels like the 49ers have gotten a taste of that now with Christian McCaffrey, and they do not want to back away from it because it just makes things so much easier for them on offense. It makes it easier for Kyle Shanahan to scheme things up when you have all of these branching out possibilities to go to. And it seems like that's the direction the 49ers are moving into. And who knows, perhaps if they have another great season and it works well and they're putting up 30-point games week in and week out with Brock Purdy again, maybe they are beginning to, to, to find a new style of offense, much like the Warriors did uh, in the NBA. Maybe they are beginning to, to find that sort of thing and, and, and be the – I don't know, the beginnings of change in the NFL. Who knows? I'm probably getting way ahead of myself, but it it kind of feels like you're headed down that direction just a little bit where they are innovating in that sense. Of course, you have to have a ton of talent and unique talent, which they do have, but they're trying to maximize that talent by making the, the offense as versatile as possible. Well, and I think that aspect of football is much more important than in a, a sport like basketball because in basketball – uh, there's five guys on the floor. So you have five guys effectively you need to pay potentially big dollars in football. You could pay the wide receivers. You could pay the offensive linemen. You could pay the D lineman. You could pay the safety. Like there's so many more players that you could choose to pay. Mm-hmm. 
And that salary cap means you got to make some difficult decisions. So I think Kyle Shanahan is also trying to prepare for a potential, not ideal, but just cash cash strapped kind of situation where you got to choose who can not effectively replace a, a Debo Samuel or a George Kittle or even a Brock Purdy. But if one of them goes down or if you have to in the future move off of one because your finances demand you to, who do you have that can step up? Uh, there are definitely some tough decisions the 49ers have to make this upcoming offseason. That might be another reason why Albert Breer felt like they have to go all in. But that's something that we can discuss on our next episode, as well as our ones in the future this offseason, coming at you twice each and every week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Go download the Odyssey app, download, rate, subscribe to us. That is Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. We'll be back with some more minicamp updates on Thursday. We appreciate you tuning into this episode of the 415ers Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.